Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Bone. Oh, of the no, no. Oh. <laughs> I just dropped the light. Oh, see, they see that's the difference between you and I. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm drinking out the bottle. <laughs> Right, okay, do you want to start that again? Hello and welcome to Cutting to the Ball in the post truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben, and as always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. And Claire. Hey. And this week we're joined by special guest, Pete. Hey, how's it going? So today, welcome, we're... Pete. Welcome, Pete. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Now, trying as a foursome. See yeah, how that goes. goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not in the middle, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about Robin Hood. Ye olde Robin Hood, which is a pub down at Ironbridge. The legend of, and we'll probably have a little touch on the films as well at some point. Yeah. My favourites. All of them. Well, three of them. <laughs> I'm hoping that one of them is men in tights. Yes. Thank God for that. Obviously. <laughs> Thank you. First we'll welcome some new and returning listeners and then we'll crack on with the main cut and thrust of it. Where shall I start? Oh, Moscow and the Russian Federation. Dosvidanya, comrade. Shrewsbury in the United Kingdom. Los Angeles, California. Krakow in Poland. San Francisco in California. Oh, New Taipei in Taiwan. Province of China. Is Taiwan a province of China? They claim it is, yeah. It's a bit disputed, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if it's his own country. Katu in Brazil, Accra in Ghana, Quezon City in the Philippines, Helsinki in Finland, Chiswick in the United Kingdom, Frankfurt am Main in Germany, Tomsk, Tomsk, or oh, Tomsk in the Russian, there's some Russian listeners this week, Tom Tomsk, Tom Tomsk, damn you Tom Tomsk, it's like the shitty, Russian shit, satnav, Russian satnav, you have Maori on a discount, <laughs> <laughs> damn you Tom Tomsk, it's a Korean grain carrier, just, it's always going to into the Baltic Sea. Yes, it always, always takes you to the German border. <laughs> Toledo in Germany. Uh, sorry, Toledo in Spain. What am I doing? Nars, Michigan. Alca de Hernanes in Spain. Ingelapolis in Indiana. Guadalajara, Spain. Croydon in the United Kingdom. Stone Mountain, Georgia. High Wycombe. That's a new one. Someone in High Wycombe is binging the podcast. Welcome. Away. Mm. Charlotte in North Carolina and Ashburn, Virginia, number one, as he, they have been, I'd say he or she, but that's leads too much open to interpretation nowadays, so let's uh, assume thank that, you, Ashburn. thank you very much for listening, let's go to Robin Hood then, what do we know about Robin Hood? We're men, we're men in tights, <laughs> tight tights, <laughs> Sherwood Forest, he lives in Sherwood Forest. With he's his band of merry men. He's the prince Maid of Marion. He was known for, obviously, the great oak in Sherwood Forest, which he was known to have dwelled in at some point. They made out, obviously, he lived in there, but he didn't. He hid in there from time to time because he had a great... great it, was it was very girthy. Yeah, it was very girthy. He's actually about... I, can't, I don't know the exact dimensions, but I know it's a good, like, five or six metres diameter. It is... Huge. It's massive. It really is huge. I've seen. I have seen it. I was a lot younger, so that five or six meters might be three. <laughs> but it, it was that. Yeah, that big. Um, <laughs> and of course, he robs from the rich and gives to the poor, which I know you love, Mike, because well, that makes it a proto proto communist. Although I very much don't. Because what? Right, this has always been my problem with Robin Hood. I'm going to get this off my chest right now. Okay. Right, I'm Robin Hood. Here you go, Mike. Here's four hundred quid. You're rich now. Yeah. Say you're rich. 
Yeah, but you're not, though, are you? Say you're rich. No, but you're not. You are with 400 guineas, mate. Back in them days, you are. You're fucking well off. Yeah, but he distributes it equally, doesn't he? He just doesn't give it to one person. But no, they're all rich. No, but they're no, not rich, are they? Rich. They're rich comparatively to what they were. No, because no, he take, robs them all back. If you take yeah. a million pounds from the rich person and you spread it equally among a million people, they're not all going to be rich, are they? No, they'll, they'll have just enough to get through the next six months, maybe. Well, what if he gives, like, a village, like, a thousand beginnings, which at the time would have been, like, fucking ridiculous? They're rich. But again, though. if it's split between the community... I mean, he goes, oh, that village is pretty rich. Could do with some, could do some ale money for my merry men. But he was, he was one, from what legend tells, that was trying to make the poor people more comfortable. So that's that, it. that was exactly what he was doing. He take was, from the greedy and the corrupt. Exactly, to, to make the poor's life that little bit better. I thought he was only like attacking the people in the forest, you know, that were going through on, you know, in these sites. Oh, that's because it was the Great North Road. He, it's probably exactly how it started. And like with most villains, in <laughs> air quotes, in air quotes, the more you do, the more you do, kind of thing. Like mm. the more you do it, the bigger it gets, and it has to be bigger each time. So you may find that he'd adventure out of the forest, right. as it. as he become more infamous and more of a following, more people, his band of merry men. I'm assuming there is some truth in that. Yeah, uh, they were a right little gang, weren't they? Really? Yeah, a mob. <laughs> Outlaws, they were. Yeah, hundred percent. Even in the earliest accounts, he has a, a gang. Yeah, it's not yeah. A, the Merry Men as such, but there's a there's a gang. <laughs> that was the fan, the, the fantasized version, really, yeah. wasn't it? That all comes in much later. Yeah, the original, there's original four, isn't there? From mm-hmm. the early ballads, which were written down in about thirteen seventy seven, something like that. Yeah, about thirteen seventy seven. So, I mean, they may have been handed down by word of mouth before then. Oh, we're going back to about the. If you're looking at about 1170-ish for the first ballads, first oral accounts... I mean, there's some evidence that it goes back to pagan times because there was someone called Robin of the Wood which protected nature. So it may have evolved over time. Is that like a bit of a a green man thing? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Because obviously the green man lives in the trees, protects the forests. You're saying someone's just took his name as as the ages have gone on and sort of yeah instead of protecting nature now it's protecting the people the poor, yeah, and going forward like a that. bit like Superman <laughs> <laughs> so many different people but he's still Superman yeah. true <laughs> already hero to be fair yeah. yeah Batman's been a few people over the years yeah Superman mate have you seen the black and white I've never seen the black and white yeah ones. that's what I mean. Superman really goes back really far oh he's the oldest hero isn't he mm. There we go, there's a tangent. It's <laughs> <laughs> our first tangent. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, back even, to Robin. <laughs> even though our first references to Robin Hood are of rhymes or songs, the surviving early ballads were spoken and not sung. For example, the earliest Robin Hood ballad that we know of, written about 1450, refers to itself as the... Um, it's written in Old English, so I'm going to read it as what we'd say nowadays. The Talking of the Monk and Robin Hood... Usually untitled, but scholars give it the catchy title of Robin Hood the Monk, surprisingly. <laughs> There's even some debate over whether the term ballad accurately describes the early terms that most tales do, because they would be sung as well. It's drinking songs, aren't they? So mm-hmm. you're all in the village tavern, let's get drunk and clank our Sat tankards together. Yeah, sing songs. Claire's on the brandy. On the Baileys. On the Baileys, just one litre. You'd be fry a talk. 
And then the largest and arguably most important early ballad is called A Jest of Robin Hood. And there are several printed editions after 1500, although many feel the story's older, maybe about 1460 or even more of a century earlier. The early yeah, that's ba- why I got the date 1377. It's That's the first evidence of anyone sort of mentioning it. It's quite a span of life, that, isn't it? Well, what you've got to look at actually it lasted the ages, hasn't it? The, um, <laughs> it Everybody actually, knows who Robin Hood is. Yeah. Everyone around the world, and clearly have had for hundreds of years. Yeah, that's he's it. not. He's not just a modern myth. He's obviously a, a myth of, of the ages. Yeah. Well, I think he was on the uh, most influential Britons list. They did like back in the year two thousand. Even though he's a fictional character, he's been that influential on our national psyche. I mean, who doesn't love a Robin Hood film? Well, some of them are shite. Well, some of them are shite. We'll get to that. But, you know, yeah. But who doesn't go into the cinema thinking, ooh, Robin Hood. Know what I'm getting with this? Yeah. Well, yes. Even Uh, though, obviously, our stories have evolved from the original telling. Like, Maid Marion wasn't in it, Friar Talk. No. The original three that were with him was Little John, Will Scarlet, and Much the Miller's Son. He seems to disappear, yeah. doesn't he? I think Much might be in Prince of Thieves, but only at, oh no, oh maybe. I think he is. But he's like it's he's mentioned across. He's mentioned like Much, and that's his name. Go and do that, and that's kind of it. Yeah, Will Scarlet was originally Will Scadlock. Hmm. Oh. He was a lockbreaker. So that's was, that's handy. Yeah. Everyone had different skills. Like Little John was originally called Reynold Greenleaf. Obviously, he's a big guy. Uh, that, was, that was it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Robin's good with the, the bow and arrow. I'm not quite sure what Mudge did. Not a lot to know about him. He made the bread. He's a miller's son. Ah, there we go. He fed them. So you got a chef, you got a lockpick, you got a big man, and you got. You got the muscle. Yeah. You got the brains, Robin Hood. Yeah. Boom, there's your Ocean's Eleven. He's also the expert with the bow. So that's what else he was known for, wasn't it? Well, the bow and arrow, of course, the longbow. But that, actually, interestingly, the earliest tales, if you go to the 1170, doesn't put us in the era of the English longbow. The 1370s does. Yeah. So you've kind of got... You're tying it down there. You're tying that version of Robin Hood down... Certainly, to about 1370, which was the longbow started to be... Uh, everyone was doing longbow on a Sunday, which we'll get to again. Yeah. I'm going to geek out about the longbow later on. I mean, who knows before that? He might have been a good swordsman before the bow was invented. I think he's been all around, time. hasn't he? Yeah. So he's meant to be the best bowman in the country, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's like number one. That's the one thing that never changes, even back to the old days, is that he's winning archery contests left, right and centre. At a time, remember, when archery... Wasn't enforced at the time. If we're talking 1170, wasn't enforced. Mm-hmm. But certainly, let's face it, is a fucking great survival skill well, in the Middle Ages. Would have, most would have hunted for their own deer, etc. That, that's yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah. they'd have to have that skill. And mm-hmm. that goes from being a young child, maybe 10 years old, dad teaching them how to hunt yeah. rabbits, and things, if not younger. So you're oh, going to find five, even six, when it wasn't. They'd have, they'd have t- kiddie bows? Yeah, yeah, even when it wasn't compulsory. It, it was probably still very widely done. Yeah, it's a, it's a really useful survival skill, especially like, if you live in a forest. Yeah, and um, we you didn't have your kind of factories and things like that, mass production and things like that in them days. So you got you ate what you got. 
You got to remember that. Cool. That's it. Making the bones as well, weren't you? You made of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah you were making them, weren't you? Yeah, making them. Um, then you've got you know the fact that you know, if you didn't have enough grain, if your harvest wasn't very good, and you couldn't store enough grain to last you the winter, you were fucked. Yeah. But you'd find it was also a very good trading tool mm. because they can hunt, they can trade. Then oh, I can give you this deer for that sack of grain that will yeah. see me through. Yeah. Or the pelts. You look at the pelts to yeah. keep warm, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd have had wolves back then in this country. Yeah, yeah. maybe so, bears. Yeah. So, yeah, bows were an essential part from way, way back, weren't they, I think? As soon as someone realised, ooh, a bow. <laughs> yeah, that works. That was it, yeah, that, that caught on quick, didn't it? It certainly <laughs> did. So the other early ballads were Robin Hood and the Monk, which is actually one of my favourites, from what I've read. Can uh, we go through that one? We can go through it, yeah. Basically, Robin's little trick was he'd have uh, he'd be sat there in the in, in the woods. It wasn't actually Sherwood Forest because technically Robin Hood could be a Yorkshireman and nowhere near Sherwood Forest. So all of Nottingham's identity is built on a lie. I oh, know, yeah. The tricky trees. The tricky, oh, the, yeah, exactly. Nottingham Forest. forest Club. Got, it's got all a lie. Got your tr- got the tree as your badge. Yeah, because they actually think he was from Barnsdale in Yorkshire. They? Yeah, there's there's evidence to suggest he yeah. was a Yorkshireman. Also, maybe a Scotsman. The Scots had tales of Robin Hood, but then again, we don't know if that's someone attributing the name to another outlaw. Well, the name Robin Hood is a, was a name that was given to outlaws at the time. Oh, that makes okay. it even more confusing. Well, would the hood have had any relevance to being hidden, having a cloak on, Always things like that? Always hood. Always having your face hidden to an extent. Robin Hood, he is. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. It's a possibility. (laughs) Robin. There could could be some link with that, perhaps. Yeah, Robin. Where the name? Robin. He's Robin. Yeah, Robin Hood. He's wearing a hood. Yeah, he's like a a hoodie with a a chav with a knife nowadays. They're the modern day Robin Hoods, so they're not giving it to the poor. So he wasn't really Robin Loxley from a very, very, very rich family. No, no. That comes in later. He's a yeoman. Yes. He's a free man. At the time, do you not a peasant? You don't yeah. aristocracy. You're kind of sat in the middle. You could yeah, yeah. lower middle class, very lower middle class, just above the working class. It's the free man who's probably got some kind of income, but not a great deal. Probably making bows, in all fairness, in the Robin Hood scenario. <laughs> so the Ballad of Robin Hood and the Monk is a, in a manuscript collection written about 1450, and it's believed to be the oldest surviving written ballad of Robin Hood. It begins with Robin and Little John in the Greenwood. Basically, Robin's trick was he sits in the woods with Robin, uh, with little John, Butch and uh, Will, and he says, go find me a guest for dinner. They go and they find this this knight. They bring him, because this is the North Road, it is the direct route from London to Yorkshire. Remember, Yorkshire being like the second biggest political centre in the country at this point. House of York, very influential. And he says, bring this knight, and he has his dinner. Come on, come and dine with me. Come on, sit here, share my dinner with me. It's a bit of a gratuitous thing to do when you're on the road, isn't it? Some stranger offering your food. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Nice thing to do. He says, right, okay, give us your money. You bet, pay me. Bit of a con. He's a con mm. artist, the early Robin. <laughs> He's a grifter. Yeah. The knight goes, well, look, I haven't got any money. Uh, I've just actually paid for... I've had to loan 400 guineas, pounds... Off the church, the monastery at St Mary's. He owes the monastery. I owe the monastery four hundred pounds. Had to loan them. I'm actually on my way back to tell them I can't give them any money because his son killed a man. Yeah, killed somebody, and I, and I had to pay a really expensive fine. Mm. Now back in them days, it was all right to uh, kill somebody, get away with it if you paid the money. Interesting. Mm. 
God, it's a good job that law's not enforced nowadays. I'd be skinned. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, we don't know what happens. This is in Skyrim. <laughs> well, yeah, true. <laughs> anyway, so... He checks okay? his belongings. He takes his belongings. They've got no money. Checks his belongings. He's got no money. His story checks out. Robin gives him 400 quid. 400 pounds. Go, go and give that to the monks. Little John will escort you. Next day while they're away... A monk comes through the woods on the road. Robin does the same trick. Go and find me a dinner guest to get the monk. Okay, pay up. I've got no money. I'm a, I'm a pious monk. They check his belongings, check his saddlebags. Oh, he's fucking got 800 quid on him, hasn't he? So Robin gets the 400 quid and his fo- and another 400 pound. Enriching himself. The ironic thing was he's like, oh, I'm 400 pound out of pocket, but I'm sure Mother Mary will provide. Now, whether that's a reference to the monastery or the fact that Robin Hood was considered quite well, everyone was Catholic back then, yeah. and he was he's considered quite a devout Catholic in the early tales, even though he's robbing people. Hmm. That it that's kind of works out both ways, doesn't it? Mother Mary did provide. Yeah, but the early tales are a lot about the church being incredibly corrupt. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that nothing's changed. No, but they're not in charge anymore. It's the politicians now, isn't it? They're the ones that are greedy and corrupt. Yeah. yeah. I think it's modern-day church. I mean, the Church of England's worth £8.7 billion, mate. Yeah. They've got their fingers in a lot of pies, especially yeah. oil companies. At the time, everybody knew that the church you know? was rotten, and that, but an outlaw was the only person that would dare do anything about it. So he yeah. was, that's why he was so celebrated at the time. Mm. Stick it to the man, innit? So in this day and age, we know where the money's going from the church. It's just like the oil companies. But uh, they some be of taxed it. if they're sort of like earning off that, really? No, because churches are tax-exempt. I know they're tax-exempt, they, they should be taxed if they're earning off like the backs of people that they're meant, you know, that are being, they're meant to be supporting. I know what you're saying. What do you mean? But the money comes back into the church coffers, therefore tax-exempt. They've they definitely got really shares. They don't spread it about the church, do they? No, they want donations all the fucking time. Mm. Fix the church roof. You fix it, you fuckers. You've got enough. <laughs> they have a, they have a lot of charities, don't they? Yeah. But you have to be in the church to be of benefit to those charities. That's it. I think they do uh, quite probably, a bit of stuff around the local community. They probably they? do other stuff. But yeah. if, if you like, say like you're sharing the wealth. As, as oh such, no, no, no. It would only be like if one of their church members' house went on fire, they might. I, I don't know. They'd probably just do a fundraiser, actually, wouldn't they? They would probably help, <laughs> yeah. help themselves. Oh yeah, we we'll get the community. To, we don't want to, yeah, yeah. yeah get no, the community I'll, to pay I'll for take it. back that statement. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Corrected myself. Then I realised what I was saying as <laughs> I was saying it. Oh dear. But in them days, they used to collect a tithe you had to yeah. pay the church. Well, they do that now in some churches. Do they? Yeah, the um, in America, you've got to pay like ten uh, percent of your earnings to be a part of some churches. Mormon. Yeah, but in the Mormons do the that Mormons as well. Yeah. Do. They they have a certain mm. percentage of their wage every month goes to the Mormon yeah. church. Ten percent. When they Jewish? die, they again leave a certain percent of their will to the church. It's the greatest con in history, man. Yeah, my uh, grandma-in-law. Jewish give a certain amount of more. a month to a church and Muslims. Okay. That yeah, they pay into like a community fund through their church. Yeah, and then if they need like a new car or something, they they ask the church, and then boom, they got a new car in the next little week. Or and then they they're need... in debt with the church. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in theory, you know. 
practice, I'm like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Too late a balance, uh, believed in medieval and content. Robin Hood and Guy of Gisborne, that one's fun. That's like an episode of The Fucking Sopranos, that one. And Robin Hood's Death, uh, that was, if, if you're a listener of an older persuasion, you might have seen the film uh, Sean Connery movie with Robin Hood. Robin and Marion, I believe it's called. And that basically um, gives out Robin's death as portrayed in this the ballad. Uh, mm. It's quite an interesting one. And in one, in one ballad, he's quite vicious. And he actually, Robin Hood, he kills a man. That's Guy Gisborne. How is it? He puts yeah. his head on a bow staff and mutilates the face. Yeah, then, go, <laughs> then dresses up in Guy's clothes, <laughs> puts his hood up, pretends to be Guy of Gisborne, he's next to the Sheriff of Nottingham, and says, I've killed Robin Hood! There he is, there's his head, and then he kills the Sheriff of Nottingham. But it was a hard life back then, they expected their heroes to be vicious and, you know. Well, you wouldn't be renowned about being quite vicious, mm. would you? Well, it's interesting that one of the most famous, the biggest part of medieval humour came from people hurting themselves. How oh, is it? Apparently so, yeah. There'd be, like, gangs of urchins who would set up a snare in the street and, like, or, and trap some unsuspecting person, dangle them upside down, they'd hit him with sticks and they'd give them money. They'd all find out later. Everyone would quit and laugh. With a slapstick. With a slapstick. They'd hit him with sticks until he gave them all the money he had and then they'd let him down. So but everyone would come out and laugh. Shard of Freude. Yeah, but they all went to watch hangings and all sorts back Entertainment then. Entertainment back then, Claire. Yeah. Fucking hell, they'd sell souvenirs. Exactly. So, you know, that seems plausible, doesn't it? It was a hard existence, yeah. yeah. It was violent. Any, any enjoyment you get, today, it's not me being hurt. This is hilarious. <laughs> kind of the same now, in all fairness. Watching YouTube fails, isn't it? Watching people hurt themselves. The tavern lady would have to be a prostitute after hours, you know. It was a hard fucking life. <laughs> Just like it is nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, the chronicler Walter Boer recounts a small Robin Hood story from around 1440. So, we're still in sort of that sort of neighbourhood. We're talking uh, early to high Middle Ages or Norman Conquest yeah. Britain. Well, I mean, people were just starting to write things down now, weren't they? The monks. Yeah, and the printing press came in in what, 15 something? Short. Yeah, that's later on. Yeah. Also, you have to think, like the monks are writing this down and it's about someone who's killing monks and robbing them. I mean, this is how, how profound and huge it must have been at the time for the monks to even consider writing something like that down. Yeah. Because obviously it's negative to them, isn't it? Of course. And they were the only ones that were able to read and write in them days. They were the ones educated, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I have a question. Is there an official, I say official, is there like a, a date that he was around? That, like born that is like died? Well, well, there's actually four suspects that Robin Hood could be an actual person. Right. Go on then, go take us to the four suspects, that? yeah. I'm just interested, so I'm trying to work out what era he is actually from. What the historians say, if he yeah. existed, this is when he existed. If you're looking to pin it down to one definitive guy, you're talking... The invention of the longbow accurately puts him around 13-something. 1323, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Right. What's King, his name? His name is Robert Hood. Robert Hood. That would be, what, Edward II? Yeah, Edward II. The hammer of the fucking Scots. Oh, Edward I, sorry. He just put down the Lancaster Revolt, okay, which led Robin to be an outlaw because he was part of the revolters. And this is the only time the Sheriff of Nottingham had responsibility over Yorkshire. Interesting. So he's like, the Lord of York's going off to fight. You're in charge, Nottingham. <laughs> okay. And he also lived with his wife, Matilda. Lots of Matildas in the Middle Ages. Mm. Yeah. 
in Wakefield they, they lived, which is Yorkshire, and he was a forester. How depressing. Okay, there's also another Robin Hood. He was a king's servant and bodyguard for Edward II. He appears on the payroll at Edward II's court in 1323. But a year later, he takes five shillings lump sum because he can't work anymore. Too many injuries to protect the king, possibly? This could actually be the same person. So he was an outlaw. He fought against the king in the rebellion. But then... The re he forgave him if he come and worked for him. Yeah. Impressed him sufficiently. Took the king's shilling, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and then there's a third suspect from Shropshire. Whittington hey. Castle. Yeah. I love it. She lo local lad. In the reign of Richard the Lionheart in 1197, so it's a Which bit later. Which would be closer to Prince of Thieves. Yep. Richard yes. Richard the Lionheart. Yeah. Richard the Third, Richard the Lionheart. His name was Fulk Fitz Warren, which is a bit of an odd name. Hence why they probably called him Robin. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit easier for yeah. the common folk to say. Yeah. Oi, Robin, <laughs> not even stop saying what? Fulk, what ween? Fulk. Are you saying coming from Robin the Rich? It could be associated with that. Robin. It's definitely associated with Robin, I think. Yeah. yeah. And he was made an outlaw by King John because he wanted his land. So, so this would put that Robin as a bit of an aristocrat then. Yeah. But then to Rob, has that word not come from Robin Hood? Well, because at the time Robin such. Robert Hood was a nickname given to any criminals and outlaws. So that's probably where the word rob and to rob somebody is Might robbing be, someone. Yeah. That's probably where that comes from. He's a robbing cunt. So you'll probably find <laughs> his name's not associated with it because he's a robber. The word robber is associated with Robin Hood. Hence, yeah. hence loads of Robin Hoods over the times. And there was loads of Robin Hoods over the times. They were writing that stuff down against bandits who A, didn't have a, a name or uh, call him Robin Hood, fuck it. Well, this man, Fulk Fitzwarren, he fought a three-year guerrilla campaign in the forests of the Welsh border. That's impressive. And he had a right-hand man called John. Little John. Little John. Yeah. And then there's a fourth suspect, which is Robert Fitz Odo, in 1196 from Loxley Manor in Warwickshire. So that's where the connection Robin, Robin of Loxley comes yeah. from Prince of Thieves again. Yeah, he became an outlaw, Robin from the local woods there. I think these things have just been picked up through history, haven't they? And yeah. as these people have taken on the name, it's just added to the, you know. Oh, it's like James myth. Bond. The what? So like James Bond. Yeah, just different episodes of James Bond. That, that theory that the, the James Bond title is is inherited. The next 007 is James Bond. That's your name now. That's kind of it. It's your identity. That's 007's identity. Yeah. That's why you've got different Bonds for different movies. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't think of Bond when I um, referenced Superman earlier. Bond, you know what I mean? Bond also is like one for that, isn't it? Yeah. Change faces many times. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe changing gender. And that, is... God, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. I, I don't know if I'm really that bothered. Apart from I'm as long not... as they do a good part, as long as they play, as long as it's someone really good, I'm not that bothered. Yeah, but I kind of winced when I saw Thanks, Doctor James. Who. Jane mm. Bond and the woman Jane Doctor Who. James like, Bond is a code name. It doesn't isn't his real name, is it? No. Allegedly, his code yeah. name. That's only a fan theory. That's, oh, is it? Yeah, that's, it's not. Well, no, because okay. it originally started. It was him, wasn't it? He was James Bond. Mm. His code name was 007. 
Yeah, but like, the, you know, yeah, but like, if you if you're international spy, you're not going to use your own name, are you? You're going to use an alias, yeah. surely. Yeah, yeah. unless you're Sterling Archer. It's not going to work for James Bond. Stop it now. <laughs> unless you're Sterling Archer, who produces a like, hi, I'm Sterling Archer, international famous, internationally world famous spy, best spy in the world. You might have heard of me. <laughs> There's a gravestone in Loxley Church. It's apparently Robin Hood's resting ground. And it was stolen from Yorkshire in the 17th century, which originally was up there. So the best of it is, though, with the grave, because there's a grave in the where it's supposed. Well, not is in Nottingham the grave where it is now. No, Loxley Church in Warwickshire. Warwickshire. Well, what they did was like the gravestone got nicked, and then they put another one, and some people chipped that away because they thought that selling bits of Robin Hood's headstone yeah. could get them a few quid. I have it in my front room. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just get a slab on you, like a long fucking chip. Oh, fucking Can I have the Robin bit, please? <laughs> <laughs> the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And then the Victorians, because they were like stick, they, they love this. This the Victorians, I mean, the most nationalistic the country's probably ever been in all fairness. With the height of the empire, Britain ruled, Britannia ruled the waves, all that. They redid it and put a proper grave in. But wrote it in fake old ye olde English, proper ye olde English, like ye olde Royal Oak pub, all that kind of crap. Oh well, no one ever spoke. Yeah. The Robin Hood of the early ballads is very different from the Robin Hood of Errol Flynn. I don't know. I think we've ever seen the, ever seen the Errol Flynn movie. No, I may have when I was younger, but he's isn't it? Yeah, but me nan loved the old films. Probably yeah. had to watch it at some point. I've probably seen it because normally, if there is any Robin Hood when you're flicking through, I always. Go on to it and I'll see it not in black and white or really 60s or the moment. <laughs> and then yeah. carry on. Apparently there's a good series from the 80s with the BBC or there's a British one anyway. I think it's got Ray Winstone in it. Yes, I have watched some of yeah, that. Yeah, I've never seen it but apparently it's good. No, it is, yeah. it is, it is good. Very I want to see Ray Winstone as Robin Hood. <laughs> I've seen him as Little John. Oh, I want to see him as Robin Hood. He might be Robin Hood. I think he was Robin. Is he Robin Hood, is he? I seem to be picturing him as Robin Oh, listener can check on that one. Could be making this up completely, yeah. but I have I have seen it. I'm sure I have. I've always been a massive fan of Robin Hood, so cool. Like I said, if I see anything on when I'm flicking through, I always go on it. So I think what, I have. What do you like specifically about Robin Hood? Then what is it that? As a kid, going back from being three, four, always obsessed with firearms, whether it be. Guns or bow and arrows, things like that. Yeah. And as a kid, oh, you're a forces you could, brat, aren't you? Well, yeah, yeah, pad <laughs> brat, yes. But yeah, so two older brothers as well, three years older than me. So when I started showing that kind of interest, they were old enough to be out like, here's a stick, here's some string, let's make a bow. Because at four, you couldn't really do <laughs> it. But your seven-year-old brothers certainly helped mm. me. Mm. And yeah, we used to just make little bow and arrows and things like that out of all sorts. I remember doing it with a fucking broomstick and a bit of bungee well, cord. We we tried broomstick, but it didn't work. No, it doesn't. Well. You gotta have a curved yeah, bow. Yeah. You gotta have a recurve. But um, that's all you've got in it—a broomstick and a, bun- a couple of bun- and a bungee cord. Yeah, we had some fantastic trees and a garden cane. So <laughs> yeah. I used to use. Yeah, an arrow. Use garden cane. So all you had to do was just do a little slit mm. in the top and the bottom, and then yeah. that would get your your line attached yeah, nicely. Yeah. Your notch. Yes, the notch the in the arrow. But it did, again, wasn't very... It would bend, but it wasn't the same. Uh, no. we, we did find there was a massive tree just down the bottom of our road. There was a small... We lived in a cul-de-sac, but just off from the cul-de-sac, there was a lovely little park, like a little field, playing field. It wasn't a park, but 
Yeah. Massive tree in the middle of that. And we found a perfect stick one day had fallen off it and we made a brilliant bow and arrow with it. Awesome. Mm. Uh, well, a bow and then made loads of little arrows, but it, it, it lasted a good couple of years. It was really good. I've never tried archery, so... I had a no. go at it and I, it's not the same as shooting. I'm fine with shooting, but archery's I love it. different. I love it. I'd like to go and do it. it again and learn I it really properly, I must it. admit. Me and my wife want to get bow and arrows, like proper ones, because... They're great fun. We'd like to take it up as a hobby. We've set it for a while, but they're quite expensive. They are. You need a few hundred quid if you want something half decent. And to have that spare when you've got children and things, it's, you never have spare three hundred pounds. So, but now the thing is, they're already gears and pulleys now. I'm not, not too bothered about them. No, I would demand you do it the old-fashioned way. No, that's what I mean. I'm not too bothered about all the weights and counterweights. I'd rather have a bow. With some arrows, but all this fancy technical shite. It pisses me off the Olympics, actually. They're a bit technical. It's like, you know, all these different counterweights and gears and pull, isn't it? Almost anyone could hit that bullseye. Yeah, give me me an hour, I was like hitting that bullseye. Yeah, a few goes, get your eye in, no way you've got to do it. It. Yeah, I'm yeah, it's not, it's not the same having thing. that sturdy hand and that, yeah, it's a skill. It's the strength, you've got to have the strength to pull the yeah. bow, that's the point. We'll there get is to a it. lot to it, but yeah, I, d- I don't think it's an Olympic sport, because I think the way they've got the bows now, it's so over-aided. That's it. Any person can pick up one of those bows and hit a ball. I've, I've done it myself. I've, at Rico, there was an open day at the factory at Rico. Yeah. Me and... Claire's brother and our kids and things like that, we all went to an open day and yeah, and uh, they had an archery. Archery set up. Yeah, yeah, you can go and have a, just go, stood there and waited and had a couple of shots, but they, there was a, a normal bow mm. and then there was like the composite super Composite plastics, gears, the, pulleys, weights, yeah, cams. All of it, yeah. And I had, we had to go on both. Because they were, they were basically showing us the difference, how hard it was in the olden days kind of thing. This is the kind of bow they used to use, feel how hard it is to pull. Oh, I had a little go on that first and pretty much hit mm. the bullseye. Not not exact, but it was within, within touching distance. And it's like, oh, that's a good shot, fluke. Second shot, pretty much in the same kind of area. Some bows have a fucking side on. Yeah, and then, and he was like, oh... Have you, have you done this before? And I was like, ah, not really. As, as a kid, played with bows. But then uh, we had a little bit of the composite bow. And it was just like... <laughs> there was no strain. It didn't, it didn't take any real effort to pull it back. You got to about where you, you'd kind of hold it. Cause you got, they put a big uh, glove oh, on. Yeah, you got the twang. Come on, that's cool now. Shit, that's going to bug me. I'll get to that. It's, it's got that hook, isn't it, there? So you don't even use your fingers to do it. Yeah. You just go, let go, and it twangs away. But with the composite bow, it was effortless in comparison, certainly. Yeah. Much more fun, the original way, yeah. I thought. I mean, the, the whole point of I mean, Robin Hood, I mean, literally, the guy uses archery. I mean, remember the Disney film? Yeah. Mm. One of my favourite films as a kid. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all... And it's, yeah. and it's pretty yeah, much... Yeah. Apart from Prince of Thieves, it is pretty much the, the staple, that tale, that ballad. Yeah. It is pretty much the staple of many a Robin Hood 
course, it's world Story. famous, isn't it? It's Disney. Well, yeah, but before that, you know, Robin's always entering archery tournaments. Yeah. In disguise. Even yeah. little John gets in on it. Because they're all quality archers. They've been doing this yeah. since they were kids. But these guys make a living out of it. Mm-hmm. He's dressed as a pelican, isn't he? Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> Fucking hell. Stork, is it? A stork. Oh, a stork. Yeah. He pulls a... He's got a big nose on him. He's got stilts in him. That's yeah, right. Spot on. Yeah. Yeah. And so he doesn't always rob from the rich to give money to the poor, and he probably doesn't fight to overcome, overthrow Norman tyranny. But he would fight with Little John in the ballads. For example, Robin and Little John argue in the ballads Robin Hood and the Monk because Robin refuses to pay up on a friendly wager. Twat. <laughs> in another ballad, Robin picks a fight with a simple potter and Robin loses. <laughs> and against true enemies like Guy Gisborne, Robin Hood is more violent than modern Robin Hood fans would come to expect. Hence the whole cutting off the head and mutilating the face and then sticking it on your bow staff. Yeah. Bit temperamental, isn't he? Yeah, that's from a ballad of a Robin the Beheader. In <laughs> well, that, what, that dates are actually 868 AD. Which is made centuries before the word, the first literary reference to Robin Hood, but there is a a, a ballad a, a, a called Robin the Beheader, so we may go back. No one says, however, despite what some interviews promoting the twenty ten Russell Crowe film have claimed, there is no record. Of oh man, no oh, well, okay, yeah, so that's just ruined all my mm, fantasies yeah. right now. <laughs> but I'll you tell know, you where he, he first came when he started to give money to the poor. Came from a play in Whitson in the Middle Ages. You know, they used to do. What's that thing with the, the cloths and the. Are you going to fucking bring Morris dancing? That's it. Morris you know dancing. my hatred for Morris dancing, Mike. It's that sort of. It should be fucking banned. It's stupid. Britain's favourite pastime. <laughs> Look, there are several cultures. That was a joke. That was sarcasm, by the way. There are several <laughs> cultures that have wonderful tribal dances. Yeah, right? Morris dancing is definitely not one no. of them. You go the hacker, right? Say it's no fucking hacker, awesome. Is it? I'm gonna cut your balls off and shove them in your mouth when you're dead. <laughs> That's. You know, there's, there's loads of African tribal dances. I've seen Zulu many a time. The dancing in that's phenomenal. Right? Britain, no. Waving handkerchiefs, clashing sticks together and shouting, bells. Hey, nonny. Don't forget the bells. Don't forget the bells. You're belled up to the fucking eyeballs <laughs> and shouting, Hey, nonny. No, it's it's shit, Claire. Dancing is dancing unless you stuffing balls in someone's face. It's called dancing. It's oh, God. We're taking him out on New Year's Eve, what's going to go on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to stop Morris dancing, I can tell you that much. Oh, you <laughs> shoving your balls into patrons' faces. We that happens on every night I go out on. Uh, I'm always dipping my balls in someone's drink. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going out. God damn it. I'm, I'm buying bottles. <laughs> They're surprisingly that's, flexible. I was to say, unless that's still not a danger. They're almost feline. <laughs> okay. They can squeeze into any shape. God damn it! All I've got is image of you trying to put your balls in my bottle of Budweiser, trying to squeeze a bollock in there. I will get it in. I will. And admit it, you're slightly aroused. (laughs) You all are. 
to mark your territory, that's all. Fuck you, cat! It's rubbing balls of everything. What were we talking about no, before it went on to Robin Robbing the rich and giving to the poor. Robbing the rich and giving to the poor. He came to the play at Whitson in the Middle Ages where they did... The, the Morris dancing. Morris dancing. The, my point was, there is an alternate to Morris dancing, don't forget, for the great British pastime's favourite dancey thing, the Maypole. Oh, that was shit as well. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was just kids. People still no, do it. No, women. Let's women dance around the really pole in the ground with tassels. Fuck that, that shit. That was taken really seriously. If it was back like, even that many years ago. You know what? Say. When I was in primary school, we used to have a maypole dance at the mm. summer fate. Yeah, we had one. Of I never did it because I was like, I'm not doing that. Well, at this festivities, there was a play where Robin and Marion would perform and then ask for donations to the poor. This is first recorded in 1598-99. And Marion could be an alias of Matilda, which was the wife of the original suspect. When you said Matilda earlier, I didn't think, is there a connection there? I'm glad you said that. Mm. Matilda was also a really common name in this period of history. Literally, there was a period in English history where we went through about three or four kings in the space of 20 years, and they all married Matildas. Ah. And also the guys who tried to overthrow them or usurp them because they thought they had a better claim, they were also married to Matildas. It seems to be quite a common name. Maybe like Robin. Yeah. Certainly in the ballads. I've known a couple of Robins. Really? Have ever met a Robin? Yeah, yeah. I've never met a Robin. I'm My a sister's girl. called Robin. <laughs> there we go. Your sister? Sister-in-law, yeah. Stuart's wife. She's Robin. What are Robin's accomplices? The ballads don't always specify the number of men who follow Robin, but in Robin Hood and the Monk, Robin is told to take 12 of his best men with him. And according to the guest, which is one of the earliest ones, or the jest, if you want to pronounce it, Robin's merry men have seven score, which is 140 men. And that's rather larger than most real medieval outlaw bands who only had a few members. But most of Robin's band are nameless background characters only called up when the plot requires an army, much like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Almost like the computer-generated backgrounds of extras of Lord of the Rings, only a few characters were given names. You still recognise some of them. Little John is in pretty much every story, as we said, and he's even more, almost as important as Robin himself. Uh, you got Will Scarlet, or Scarlock, or Scadlock, or Scathlock, much the Miller's son. But you will not find a minstrel named Alan Adale, a jolly friar named Tuck, or Maid Marian. Now, I love Friar Tuck mm. in the um, Prince of Thieves movie because he's just a lovable drunk, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. The early, there's very few women in the, sto- in the early stories. The most important woman is the one who doesn't make an, a personal appearance, the Virgin Mary, Robin Hood, being a devout Catholic. So, and Robin used to rob the monks, obviously, because they had all the money. So you might be wondering, well, why would Robin Hood go about robbing monks if he's supposed to be a good Christian? Well, as at the time of Robin Hood, ballads of people, people of England were Catholics and sincerely believed in the Holy Trinity. But there was widespread resentment against corrupt monks and bishops. The Robin Hood stories basically draw up a long tradition of conventional ridicule and the humour at the expense of fat monks. That's interesting, actually, the way that's put. Mm-hmm. Because nowadays, back then, it was like, oh, those fucking monks and friars, look at those fat bastards living it up, you know, running the show, they haven't got a fucking clue. 
Look at it nowadays, all the politicians, you know, Boris, big fat fucker. Snorting coke. Snorting coke, living the earth, all the Tory party, all the ruling, all the ruling party. And I, I, actually, I'm not going to put it across one party, I'm going to put it in the whole House of Parliament. They're on drugs, they're living the opulent lifestyle, they're on expenses. Same as the monks were back then, isn't it? What do we do now? We satire politicians. I put it to you that the early Robin Hood tales are like a bit of a tabloid press against the monarchy in a way, based on an individual. I don't know about the monarchy. No, sorry, not the monarchy. The monasteries, the... Um, yeah, the monasteries. The, yeah. the, the, the church. Yeah, we said earlier... It's just anybody that's living it up when, you know, the poor are living it down, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're a, you're a, in the gutter. If you're a they're, serf... They're, they're eating... Yeah, if you're a serf on your, on your mud farm... Yeah. Right? We shovel dung ground here. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm your priest. Who made you a priest? I didn't vote for you, so I've got to... Monty Python. Monty Python. <laughs> Ad-libbing Monty Python. That's, um, but you know what I mean? It's like... It's it's the same thing, isn't it? We, we all... The British... It's almost weird that the British sense of humour has always been a bit taking the piss out of those in charge of us. Yeah. Hasn't gone away. It's no. always been there. We've just carried it on all yeah. the time. Of course, they're seen as unjust, aren't they? Unjust rulers that are living it up while we're suffering. And there's Robin going round, stealing from him, dishing it out. Yeah. Causes them your folk hero. If only more outlaws would do that nowadays. In fact, I propose to you that we form an outlaw band. Right now. <laughs> right now. I'll be Robin. No, sorry, I'm Robin. <laughs> you can do it legally now. You just got to form a political party and win, and then. Why don't we get them to fight? Wasn't there a Robin at I don't know. To it fight over be. being Robin. <laughs> no. Now what we do? What we do? I've got it. You know, um, V for Vendetta, the guy force masks. <laughs> yeah. Right? We convert those to like smiley Robin Hood faces. So we can all be Robin. Essentially. We can all be Robin. Like faceless man. That's it. Well, you can be little Johnny and have a beard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can be funny. You can be funny. <laughs> Father! <laughs> John! <laughs> Grab the rope. No, save yourself. Save, save yourself, yourself, John. Oh. <coughs> I my throat's doing that. He is coughing off the fire, isn't he? Yeah, an, an, emotional, <laughs> an emotional scene. It's emotional. <laughs> and then Robin falls. Of course, other historians see Robin representing the, revol the revolts of peasant farmers. However, pretty much every story says that he's not a peasant and he does not kill landowners or advocate such action. Uh, nowhere does he mention <laughs> any conspiracy by the rich. I think these are whitewashed stories mm -hmm. as we get older, because you don't want people thinking about living up like the way you did. Imagine enough people as kids wanted to be Robin Hood. You'd overthrow the government if you all got together. Yeah. So they try and sort of uh, blacklist his name almost, turn him into that. In every movie, the official line is that Robin Hood's an outlaw and should be handed in for a substantial reward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the, because he gives the poor, which is probably bribing the poor, if you think about it, to keep stum, here, yeah, is, is a few, is ten guineas, love. keep stum, it's to keep him alive, isn't it? Ben's saying it could be an ulterior motive just to yeah, keep, yeah. just to save his own skin, maybe. If you're robbing all the rich guys on the Great North Road back in med medieval England, right, and there's like a £500 reward out for your head, right, 
then you're gonna give you know, all the people who are gonna grass you up live in the villages and support you. Give them a thousand, wouldn't you? You go, hey, here's a thousand, here's a thousand quid for yeah. the village. Because you wouldn't want them to dob you in. You've got to make yourself more appealing than the guys putting the reward. Now, archery has been a feature of the legend from the earliest tales to today. Popular tradition has it that the longbow was a Welsh fighting tactic. And it was. It was Welsh, thought it was English. It was adopted by the English after Edward I's wars of the Welsh in the late 1200s. As Edward I, hammer of the fucking Scots, baby. Second line of the fucking national anthems to do with the hammer of the Scots to smite. It is, yeah. It is. We don't sing that, do we? You do not. I think it should be changed. So do I. I think we should start singing the national anthem. They don't want to be part of us anyway. Fuck them. No, I think we should change the national anthem. I hate the national anthem. Oh, well, change that, yeah. Uh, it should be Jerusalem. Everyone knows that. It's a well, good song. that is England's national anthem. Oh, is it? England's national anthem is Jerusalem. Yeah, they sing at the rugby, ah. didn't they? Well, not, and, not at the... Um, the did you God Save the Queen? Sing, but yeah. on the pitch, but just the fans, the fans sing. The fans sing it because yeah. it is the English ah. national anthem. God Save the Queen is the United Kingdom's mm. yeah. national anthem. Well, so, we, it's one of them, isn't it? It's, I suppose you could choose to sing it if you want, but then if you want to sing the national anthem, it's got to be Jerusalem. Yeah. 100%. yeah, I think it should be. And I think God Save the Queen would be the choice. I want to hear some triumphal march like the Soviet Union has or those good old Eastern Bloc countries where it's proper like, do you swing your arm in the air with your elbow? No, not on about fucking Das Reich. Or Deutschland über alles. Well, it still is Deutschland über alles, technically. You know, not the Nazi version of that, or Das Reich, or fucking. You love Uber you told me. <laughs> You're the one who sat there and watched Hitler's henchman for fucking. in a binge watched it. It's just because I watched Triumph for the World. <laughs> Research knows I enemy. No. I'm a communist, aren't I? Yeah, so you claim they're a non aggression pact. Or Marxist. Well, they're a non aggression pact. <laughs> Either way, you allied with them, matey. That's your. Never did I allied with Nazis. <laughs> you did it. You. Did it. You were von Ribbentrop. I saw you in the documentary. <laughs> well, by then it evolved into something that wasn't communism, was it? As it always does, sadly. No, archery. Edward the First Wars of the Welsh in the late 1200s. That is a century after Richard the Lionheart. So, big gap there. However, there is evidence the Anglo-Norman forces were using longbows before the Welsh Wars. Now, in the 1330s, there are references to yeoman archers. And in the reign of Edward III, the longbow is traditionally, although not entirely accurately, it is though. Credited with winning battles in the Hundred Years' War, like Cressy and Poitiers. Military historian Professor Kelly de Vries notes it in the guest, uh, the Robin Hood earliest ballads, there's no so- social stigma in using the longbow. Both the knight and the king use one. Well, the king would use one because he'd be trained to use a bow. Simple as. Trained in the arts of war. You have to be as a medieval king. But de Vries also points out there's a little fighting done with the bow. It's mainly used in sporting competitions between the characters. When Robin and his men fight, they pull out their swords. He says the style of archery most closely fits in the latter half of the 14th century and early 15th century. Even in later periods, though, there was an interest in archery. King Henry VIII was a champion archer. Of course he would be. He was going to fucking beat Henry VIII in an archery contest. Head off. Tower London, head off. 
I'd give it a go. Yeah, and then you'd and have then been run. Nope, <laughs> they'd have caught you. I know, yeah. And he commanded everyone between 16 and 60 must own a bow and know how to use it. Hell yeah, that's when it became law, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Now that goes back earlier. Henry VIII actually reinstated that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because before then, it had kind of fallen out of fashion. Think of, if you're in England, or just say America too, Sunday afternoon, well, we'll say football for England, and we'll say American handball for America. I refuse to call that football. Sorry, American listeners. <laughs> Rugby for wimps. I used to call it that. High <laughs> five. <laughs> Air five. <laughs> So Sunday afternoon sport, let's say, is a big thing. It always has been. Back in the day, it was archery. Everyone dropped what they were doing, went down to the village green, they got the butts out, which is what the archery targets are called. (laughs) But, you know, fired some arrows at it. Village competitions, practice, the bowling league. Think of it as a Sunday night bowling league, but with pointy things. Yeah, man. I'd go I wish for we that. still did that. So I, I, I'd enjoy that. I would really enjoy it. Much more than football or, as uh, you put it, handball. Yeah, but you know when people are going to get pissed, they're going to be like, shooting each other with bows and arrows. And ah, but you see, the thing is, the beauty of it is, under English law at the time, if you did shoot and kill a man with a longbow, you were let off. Because it shows you're a fucking it's skilled a, archer. It practice, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was only if you were practising, though. If you were if you were training, yeah, yeah, and you you accidentally killed someone, it didn't matter because you were a training longbowman. You were a vital asset. <laughs> End of. Don't think I've so washed now, though. Acc- <laughs> so you could accidentally, <laughs> again, air quotes, <laughs> kill somebody. Oh, I was training. Oh, uh, all he, right, no problem. He went to get his arrows back from the butt, and my arrow got caught in the wind and accidentally shot him through the eye. It's like that old law in Shrewsbury, isn't it? It's okay to I kill a Welshman. Just about to say that. Long on a Sunday. On a Sunday. From a turret <laughs> in the castle. Oh. That was, that, was what, that was the rule. You had to be in uh, the that. castle. Little and you know, the, the, the slots in the castle. Yeah, you the arrow slits. shooting it through yeah. that. And you could get away with it. And apparently, apparently, I've heard this a few times that it is actually still law because it was never yeah, I've actually heard that. Still law, taken yeah. away. There is that that is still there. You wouldn't get away with it in no, reality. No, because the so the, the law of murder trumps it precisely. And because of now, you've got the different types of the main laws I'd imagine that murder with a deadly weapon is a little something you know what I mean that that will trump the the old law that used to be there but it it was never actually taken away think of the prep you'd have to do you'd have to make sure the dude was Welsh you'd have to invite (laughs) a Welsh person to get to stand in the right spot could you just shoot the castle at 12 o'clock on Sunday yeah I mean you shoot the castle at 12 o'clock on Sunday hey hey Ben it's alright what are you doing with that bow I have a plan on that Celebrity get, then. Celebrity get me out of here. Hit a shop in the castle. Stand on the X. It's all like a celebrity get me out of here thing. Don't worry. It's Squid Game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a cross between Squid Game and a and a and a Tucker. What they Bush took a trial. Bush took a trial. There we go. I don't watch a show. I just know it. He's yeah, you're basically shooting a shopper in the random shop in the back. <laughs> yeah, who did you like? Hey, nowadays, if you need a sniper <laughs> rifle, excuse me, are you Welsh? <laughs> Stand on Alex. 
Oh, but it was the sniper rifle of its fucking day and the machine gun of its day. It was the two combined. Um, six, six a minute, wasn't it? They six a minute. Fire. But the. Uh, every, uh, I, I want to say this now. Right? The, the English longbow, you didn't draw it back to the eye. This thing is six foot tall. You need to get as much power out of this as you can. You drew it, the arrow, the knock of the arrow, the string past your ear. And a trained archer has been doing this with bows since they were five or six. But well, they could walk with kiddie bows, and they gradually progressed to the six-foot-long war bow. It just becomes second nature to the point where if you train from when you're six to when you're, I don't know, 15, 18, 20, when you might go to war, it's like breathing to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many arrows have you shot every Sunday? And chances are in the midweek in your garden. At the, closer distances, the hats they used to wear would have the flap, yeah, over the like leather flap. It would come over the ear, yes, and that was because obviously otherwise you'd know it was a you'd know it was an archer, wouldn't you? Because well, he'd be yeah. walking around with his right ear missing, wouldn't? Well, he, you'd basically. also still have massively calloused fingers from pulling the bow back, even though you had your. I can't remember what the bloody thing's called now, and it's pissing me off. It's the leather strap that goes on your forearm, the right forearm or oh, left, if you. Is it? It's like, it's like a gauntlet, but it's, it's not. It's got a specific yeah. name, and I honestly, it's gone out of my head, and it'll come to me at some point, probably during weird news, and we record that. <laughs> I'll be like, ah, oh, boom, there it is. <laughs> it can shoot up to 350 yards or not. 350 though. yards, and a draw weight of between 80 and 150 pounds, which in metric is about 75 to 85 kilograms. And I'd say that 350 is, yards, about 300 metres. Um, just over yeah it? you're looking about that 300 metres yes absolutely. 320 definitely 300 metre range yeah yeah at least so. is that worse than a sniper rifle nowadays oh god yes you can hit a mile with a Barrett yeah yeah, Barrett 50 cal, 50 yeah. cal you can get a mile didn't the record something like uh, about 3 but they had to aim like 26 <laughs> foot off to the left and about 50 foot above it's all that to do with the Working out the windage, the trajectory, and the curvature of the Earth in some cases, which has been taken well, you're going into three miles. Sorry, flat yeah. earthers. <laughs> <laughs> Maths trumps you every time. Now imagine an AI. That's a different night. <laughs> imagine an AI that be able to measure that, that perfectly. Mate, they do it. Yeah. The spotter has a scope which gives him everything and gives him the total. It's all computer chip nowadays. Wow. Back in the day, they used to have to fucking work it out on a bit of paper. Doing actual maths now, the Spartoscope is like, yeah, you're on that target, okay, well, okay, that's like 350 metres, you need to aim up to this point and aim up to that point. Wow. And they have it on the scope, so just the scope. The scope will have all the bearings, everything. Yeah, absolutely. You'll have all the gubbins on it. They yeah. might even link fucking Bluetooth wise now. Who knows? I don't know what they've got nowadays. Something for the reeking could get you. Well, not now. I don't know if I was the reek of the way. I don't know. Where are we? <laughs> We're in Mansley in Telford. Nah, but some of them town, if they had a clear line of sight, which they haven't, it could easily, potentially do it. Easily, easily. Yeah, if I was stood in the open from here to the town centre and the centre of town-ish. You're within a mile. Yeah, within a, a, a skilled sniper, three, potentially. Yeah. Mad, isn't it? With the right round, you have the uh, amount, they have a lot, you know, bigger rounds, more propellant in the round for ones, ones with longer like coiled, shots. A coiled trim, so it oh, spins through the air. Yeah, to make it's, it's all meant. That, that goes further. Yeah. Exactly. 
They were the 50 cal of them days. They were, they? yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, they, could pen- they could penetrate leather, cloth armour, iron plate armour, even some types of steel plate armour. All but the very best. If you go and have your armour made by one of the finest armourers of medieval Europe, yes, it might stand up to the English bodkin arrow, which is like a was tapered down to a very fine point, like a needle point, mm. with yeah. a thicker tip, punching armour through penetration. But would steel obviously was very difficult to come by in That's them, it. In them and, days. Yeah, and to be so is a the English longbowman. You come across these guys. Personally, I would be uh, pilfering their armor, melting it down, making arrowheads with the steel. Then I know my arrowheads are equally strong as their armor. You see, they would do that. But the probability was that if you were the aristocracy and you killed that dude, you were entitled to his kit. Mm. Or you could you either kept it or you ransomed him back to his family so maybe his son could wear that armour. Yeah. Because that armour was an expensive piece of family heirloom yeah. that had been upgraded over the, the year. A commodity, really. Yeah, it was. It was a sign of being an aristocrat, sign of yeah. being a knight. You had to have a suit of armour. That armour would go to your son. You'd have a few upgrades here and there, but the suit, basic suit, would essentially be the same. You might be wearing your great granddad's mail shirt, for example, underneath that armour. See, I'd be all up for upgrading my own weaponry. I'd be like, right, I'll have some steel. <laughs> now, that's an evidence of the toil that longbow the train. The toil, sorry. The toll. Toll. <laughs> toll. The troll. Evidence of the toll. Toll. <laughs> <laughs> that longbow training and use took on archers can be seen on skeletons of archers found in the wreck of the Mary Rose, which sank near Portsmouth in 1545. Hundreds of intact longbows were recovered from the wreck in the 1980s, as well as the skeletons of archers, many with leather quivers still around their bodies. Technically, they didn't use quivers, they used an arrow bag. Oh. Which were like magazines. So what was the difference with a quiver then? What's, what's a quiver the was used for hunting. Okay. It was convenient, you needed to carry so many, but in battle you need as many arrows as you can. So these arrow bags were assembled in in the in England, goose feather arrows, and you could only use the arrow the, the feathers from on the quiver on the on the on the arrow had to be from only one wing of the goose. They found this out with mm. So if your arrow had right and left wing feathers in it on the quiver, it would spin out of control because mm. the feathers in a goose work to balance it out. Mm. Right, but you only used it from one. Oh, interesting. Why? Also, Archer, you know the expression, keep it under your hat? Yeah. You said it earlier, that's some archery. You always had a spare bowstring under your hat to keep it dry. Wet bowstrings didn't have as much power. Mm. Well, you know the old uh, sticking your fingers up mm. to the French. Usually, <laughs> yeah, because it was it was to show that you, you had your bow fingers. Don't yeah. That, although that, did you know that was actually a myth? Yes, that there is nothing in that. So I thought, well, that's why Churchill used it as well. He, he drew on that. Uh, yeah. Fake news. Yeah. For the V for victory symbol. Yeah. I'm but flashing the V at everyone in the room. <laughs> I don't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember being told it and being like, "Oh wow, yeah, that's brilliant fact." And then it got debunked by yeah. QI. QI, yeah. QI, yeah, good old Steve. Show, QI. Good old Stephen Fry. Yeah. But yeah, it, it 
it has absolutely no relevance to it whatsoever. But that is something that the French used to do when yes. they captured the Bowman British in the, the Hundred Years, Years War. Yeah. At the Hundred Years War, they if they captured an English bowman, chop his finger off. Yeah, they only chop his one off. They mm. only need his index finger. Yeah, and that's why then people would say that was something because the, the flipping the bird, flipping them with only the one finger, <laughs> because <laughs> that's all they had left. But again, part of the myth of the V. Yeah. So if anybody out there did think that that was, it's not. I'm afraid. <laughs> no. The interesting thing is there was a particular technique where you didn't just draw it back to the arrow, is you put everything you've got, and this is how you throw grenades as well, mm. everything you've got in, so you're, you lean back into it, taking all the weight on the left side of your body, you finally get right-handed, like we, we all look right-handed. Yeah. Right? Take all the, and then you, as you release, you actually spring forward, bringing your left leg forward to step in front of the right. So you've literally put all your body weight into that. You've not only drawn the 11 stone draw weight, you're also bringing all of you back. All that force is going forwards. 300 metres at Agincourt, at Cressy, the archers outnumbered the knights. There might have been an army of 13,000, 7,000 are archers. Because these things are a battle winning weapon against massed armoured well, cavalry wait, charges. 10,000 would, would take out like 30,000. Agincourt, exactly. 9,000 archers. Yeah. They, I mean, not all of it was done by the archers. The men no, at arms got involved, but they were on the flanks. All they would we funneled them in. Archers, boom, boom. Six arrows a minute. All that force. Bodkin tips or broadheads, which are like hooked at the yeah. tips. Yeah. So but you don't shoot at the man in that scenario. You shoot, shoot at the, the horse. horse. Uh, Take the horse down. Take the horse down. Because then Trust the man. The man. <laughs> More than likely. Because then the man at arms on that horse that night, he's just dead weight in armour. Yeah. You go up and you've got this little dagger called a misery cord. It's very thin, very pointy, take, almost rounded. Taken between the plates. That's right, under the armpit, oh, into, into the, the heart. Like, yeah, yeah, up there. Oh. Weak no, points in the armpit. It makes you cringe thinking about that because it's it is a, a nasty place. Isn't what it? a fucking cool name, though, the misery cord. <laughs> what yeah. a name. I thought it was the English archer's dagger it's and good it was name rounded. Band, I'd imagine there's probably a band called Misery Cord somewhere. But you imagine. 10,000, oh, 9,000 archers, six arrows per minute. Yeah. If they did that for 10 minutes, that's just 10 minutes of constant arrows yeah. flying yeah. through the air. And these arrows weren't small. <laughs> so if you think, if you if that bow was six foot, the arrow was probably three foot minimum. So you'd yeah, be about three, that. A, a metre arrow, like with a, with a head that would have probably been, I don't know, like a to, needle, like a needle tip almost, or the equivalent. Went very, yeah, went very, very, very sharp. But they came, they they came out yeah. quite wide, probably a good inch and a half, two inches. Like, I'd imagine they would make, yeah, they would make that sound. Yeah, definitely. 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 Block out the speed of them. It's the speed of them. It's your noise, isn't it? I don't know if you can pick this on the mic, but you blowing. That's what you hear. Mm. Every arrow, but magnify that by 9,000. Yeah, it would just be... Deafening. Uh, you, yeah. you wouldn't want to be on the receiving end yeah. of it, would you, at the end of the day, because it was just yeah. a bloody hailstorm of arrows. It was like advancing into machine. Leg and you, yeah. you, you ain't moving anyway. No. In some cases, the arrow would go through your leg into your horse. <laughs> yeah. That's how much force wow. these things had. And then it kills and, the and horse, remember, and you're impaled to it. Yeah. And remember, <laughs> you've also got gravity... 
you're firing these things into the air with all that yeah. force and they're coming down plus gravity. Yeah. But when you cause you're firing it dead on, and which force is behind that, that's when yeah. it's going through plate. At close, that's 300 meters you're bringing down horses and knights, poorly armored knights. Mm. At 100 meters, you're picking eye sockets. You're a tra you've been doing this since you were six. Yeah. You can shoot arrows through bracelets if you want to. Mm. But there are downsides, isn't there? There are. No, the, the point is, obviously, you've got to train on it. You can also affect your, your whole body, can't it? In yeah. Different things. I mean, the skeletons of the arches of the Mary Rose showed enlarged left arms, twisted spines, and thickened joints around the left shoulder, left wrist, and right fingers and sub substantial physical alterations showed what effect years of training had with a heavy draw weight bow could have on an archer's body. So you're basically deforming your own body yeah. to fire this. Much the same way that David Beckham deformed his spine taking free kicks. Yeah. The way he used to curve his spine, yeah. the cur that's it. giving back massive back problems. Oh, I didn't know that. He's got a whole film named after it, Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> I think the film, should, the sequel should be Bend It Like Beckham, Fuck Your Spine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I think we can agree that basically Robin Hood is, I think, an amalgamation of various characters. Can we say that? Mm. I mean, he's metamorphosized into this one unified, rob from the rich, yeah. give to the poor. Can we talk about his death finally, though? Oh, yes, the death, of course. Go on. Okay, so in the ballads, Robin stayed in the woods for 22 years. Okay. Can I just briefly just say, you know that documentary, the timeline yeah. documentary with Baldrick, yeah. Tony Robinson? Is that there's some bloke who was living as a medieval outlaw in the woods. He's been there for like 20 odd years. He goes home at winter. He goes home at winter, yeah. He probably went home at winter because it's too cold to live in the woods. Mm. You freeze to death. Unless you've got a tree village. Nah. But he was like, oh, I've got a, a horn. To alert people, if I and then I've got I've got my knife, and he's like, he's going with this, he's living as a fucking dude in the woods, fucking half the year. He's a lunatic, and Tony, that was Tony Robinson just having a chat with him about how you survive in the woods. This guy's a nutter. No. He's living as a medieval person in the twentieth century. What the fuck's going on? Sorry, I just had to get that out. <laughs> so he stayed in the woods for twenty-two years until he became ill, and he goes to the priory, which is run by nuns and one of the head nuns his cousin isn't she yeah to see his cousin which is the prioress cousin of, the, of his wife actually, that's right it? the cousin of his wife Matilda yes. he goes there to be bled that's what they did in them days yeah. medicinally bled yeah. I love that he's like hey not feeling well I'm gonna bleed you <laughs> but his cousin lets him bleed to death yeah she lets too much out kills yeah. him on, on accident on purpose and this is documented for Robert Hood, remember that first suspect? Yeah. Which year was thirteen forty six. He did visit the priory and he where his wife's cousin lived and he did die there. So he was only like twenty three? First of all, thirteen twenty three he appears. Right. That's when he becomes an outlaw. Right. And thirteen forty six, that's twenty three years later or twenty two. Yeah. Yeah. So he was probably twenty maybe before that. Yeah, so you could assume in his forties. Yeah. Probably about right if he's getting ill from living in the woods. Forties, yeah. maybe fifties. Yeah. Well, if the part about him working for the king and things like that is any truth into it, that would maybe put you in at 
thirties when he became an outlaw, yeah. you'd have thought by that by that point. Yeah. If he'd been an outlaw, been pardoned by the king, worked for the king for so many years, then left again, took your retirement. Outlaw. A year later, he, he worked for the king for a year, I think. Yeah. So it could possibly be that guy. Hmm. Potentially. But then again, it, that could have been added to that story at that time to make it. Well, we know Robin Hood that went to the Priory and all. Well, we know Rob Hood. Yeah. Then, yeah. Oh, well, that's Sorry, and then yeah. As we said, it was given to outlaws. If he was an outlaw before, and he was he was like a prolific one, they might have yeah. called him Robin Hood, and the king went, "I like that." Mm. But this could have been with us for centuries. I mean, the story could have evolved until it was finally written down, the form that we know it. Mm-hmm. We could go back to pagan times. Yeah, we could, yeah, absolutely. So has anybody seen any truth in the the oak tree thing then? No. Does that seem to be... Is it in myth? Sherwood Forest? Yeah. Probably a myth then. Because he wasn't in Sherwood. Yeah, well this is, this is what I'm getting from this. Yeah. But Nottingham basically is like stayed his entire tourist industry on the fact Robin Hood lived there. Yeah. The thing is Sherwood Forest was bigger than Barnsdale, it was more famous, it had the King's Road in it. The castle was there, which is where the showing at Nottingham yeah. lived. It was on the Great North Road. It was a stopping point off between London and York. He may well have banditted somebody he might have done. that yeah. at some point. He might have done. He may well have done, because if you're a bandit, you're going to move on. You can't yeah, sit in one. Yeah. 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 Well, <laughs> that's a good new word I've just made. Yeah. <laughs> Can I copyright that one? <laughs> copyright? <laughs> Say it, it's, it's, it's legally binding. It's copyrighted, bandited. <laughs> when bandits do their thing. <laughs> and it makes it more confusing because at the time every outlaw was called Robin Hood. Yeah. He was given that name. Yeah. Well, was that because the tale was famous for centuries? Of an outlaw called Robin Hood and that, that's why they used it. I go for a bit of folklore in it. Yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely... There was some dude who did that. So I reckon, I reckon there was some guy who did that where he was some yeoman and maybe that became his alias through popular culture at the time as it was. Things spread, didn't they? People talking the alehouses. You heard about that Robin Hood? Mm-hmm. Where's an hood he does? There is, there is other for instances of that, but I can't think for the life of me what there is. I, who, who there is. But there well, is King like, Arthur for one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Merlin. Merlin didn't come into the story until the Middle Ages. Neither did Guinevere, and neither did Lancelot. Yeah. And back in the day, they didn't have a round table, but as was Celtic tradition, because Arthur was a Celt. Yeah. They would have sat in a circle. There's the round table. Yeah. Gets evolved. He wouldn't have worn plate armor, but he'd have had chainmail. Had the Romans left over. You know, it, it all becomes amalgamated until he's this knight in shining armor, which is about the 15th century. A guy called Gillian de Troyes, who was a French author. You know, introduce this whole Camelot and romantic mix to it, when in reality Camelot was probably Kaya Kadam, which is in Cornwall somewhere. I've been to Camelot. It was just not Tintagel. That was, was invented off the later. M6. <laughs> just about forty yeah, minutes from that's, that's, a, that's a casino. <laughs> no, it used to be a theme park. It was Ace. I love that place. First theme park I went to. <laughs> Yeah, it, I think he's an amalgamation. I, I, but I love the town. I love the whole giving yeah. the rich, giving to the poor thing. I love yeah, the archery, yeah. the escapades, the, the, the chastity belts. The outlaw hero. Yeah, everyone, the women swoon over, the men want to be. 
That's exactly we want to be Robin Hood. Do you want to be Robin Hood? That's it. Well, you know. in tights. <laughs> we're men. Mike, you were. <laughs> Mike, you played her. You were in a Robin Hood movie. Uh, I pantomime. was. The only well. thing I've ever done. <laughs> when I Amateur was. Amateur dramatics. I was 11. I was four. It was my first. You know, you remember when you were in, like, the very first reception class at school. Yeah. And they do their first play. And we did Robin Hood. And I had to stand there and sing... Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding to... Oh, Robin that one, Hood, yeah. That one. Yeah. And, yeah, on my own, in little tights, and, oh, God, it was so embarrassing. And I remember being so scared. That was the first time I ever, like... It was the first time you had childhood trauma. Uh, <laughs> haunts you to this no, day. That, that's what made me... Do you ever... Do you ever enjoy being on stage? I was going to say, did, did, you ever, did you ever wake up and have mm. dreams where you've, like... Pissed your tights on the stage as a four-year-old. No, no, no good. No, no childhood trauble there. What, did no. you, what was your line, Mike? I was in. I was a merry man, one of Robin's merry men, <laughs> and my line was, "That's a good idea, Robin." <laughs> can you, can you give me some gusto. That's a good idea, Robin. There we go. <laughs> so loud it crackled. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's my theory on this. It, it, I think there was a dude at some point, and whether he was a long bowman or not, or he was using a shorter bow. But great archer, outlaw. Yeah, and it's still relevant today because the cunts are still in charge of us. There you go. <laughs> May have more from the church to the politicians. We just they're still corrupt. We just need a, a yeah. new day Robin Hood. And they're still fucking us over. So nothing's yeah. changed, has it? Claire, what do you reckon? Because you're pissed on Bailey's. That's why you've been so quiet. Pissed on <laughs> Claire's been yeah, enjoying the Christmas here, party the atmosphere. I, I am here. I'm just, just, just feeling the merry, uh, the merry vibe. The very mess. Yeah, we're recording this just before Christmas, aren't we? So we're having a bit of a Christmas party. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my mince pie. I'm yeah. Christmas out now. I'm going to have a chocolate. I'll eat her a bit of Bailey's. I'm going to have a chocolate tart soon, I am. Oh, God, that could be a racial slur. <laughs> <laughs> might, have, might have to have a Christmas load. Definitely though. not. <laughs> yeah. Let's oh, do the movies. The, mo- the oh, movies. Really, I'm glad you yeah. said that. The movies. I'm going to go. My top three, or top two actually, there's only two top ones for me Prince of Thieves and Men in Tights. Prince of Thieves, classic. Number isn't one it? for me, yeah, Prince of Thieves. It's our generation, though, wasn't it? Was it 1990? 91? Wasn't the song in the, in the charts for like 30 weeks or something? 16 weeks, it was at yeah. number one. Oh, Jesus really? Christ. Not wet, wet, wet often, Nick. You know, you're a wet, wet, wet man, Mike. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> I love that song, I loved it. I still love it to this day. I do love that song. Obviously, when I was in Saudi Arabia, we we had uh, hooky copies of films back then, and I had a copy of Prince of Thieves before it had been released in cinema here, or about the same time or something, either way, it was a Laserdisc hooky copy, and I watched it every day, every day, and my mum and dad were so sick of the film, (laughs) and I loved it, I still loved it, and it were the days as well when we didn't all have TVs in our own rooms. No. One telly in the whole house and it was taken up by me watching Prince of Thieves. I would have loved and to have done the that. beginning at the end. <laughs> I singing, know what you're going to say. Singing to Brian Adams. Yeah. No, I do. <laughs> my three, I've got three because it has to be Oh, the Prince Disney Thieves, one, I've got the Disney one. Prince of Thieves, the Disney version and Men in Tights. Men in Tights and the Disney version are on, on par, high. yeah. But yeah. Prince of Thieves is up there. Yeah. I will give the newest Robin Hood 
a bit of kudos though. Really? The latest film. The one with the skinny guy. I can't think who it was. Egerton, Tyro and Egerton and Jamie Foxx. That's yeah. an awful movie. I thought it was okay. The look was good, right? It, but it did look It was good. two it was actors. Action. Two, a- two actors action, doing their... Two good actors doing their best with an awful script. Maybe the script wasn't the best. Maybe I was a bit stoned when I watched it. I can't really remember. Right, do you remember the start? But I enjoyed it. Do you remember the start where he's in the Crusades? Yes. And they're going through that bombed out Arabian, blatantly Middle East city with their long bows held yeah. like fucking assault yeah. rifles. Yeah, yeah. And then the heavy repeating crossbows that are 50 cows open up on the only two towers that are fucking there to pin them in a. And they're just like firing arrows off like they've been ambushed like soldiers in Afghanistan with their <laughs> weird medieval flag jackets that appeared to do nothing. I never really read into it too much. I, I did. Just, I, just I did. <laughs> and for some I reason, it a and, bit for, and, and for some reason, oh, all, right, all the fucking sheriff's men had some weird black metal gimp masks on. <laughs> Saying that, mate, I enjoyed the Russell Crowe film. Oh, well, no, I hate accent it. Was that, the accent ruins it. But no, I, I like just it. got past that and enjoyed the film because again, good action. Good action. Good action. I think I'd watch anything <laughs> if it was Robin Hood because I've always been such a but fan. But didn't Maid Marion leading a charge of children on their ponies into the French rear kind of oh, go, that oh. wouldn't have. That's a bit yeah. pushing it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> children on ponies yeah. led by Maid Marion. All right, fair enough. Maid Marion. Right. Women can be top leaders too. Look at Princess Leia. I can understand but, them using children as cannon fodder. I can understand that, but not, <laughs> not launching a decisive charge into the rear of the enemy. That was a joke. <laughs> Princess Leia is a superior. Yeah. Yeah. Alan no, Rickman, the oh. sheriff of Nottingham, steals it. That's, you know what? Yeah, if, if that Kevin Costner with his Kevin Costner with his really convincing English accent. <laughs> oh, he, uh, didn't, he didn't even bother. That was his thing. He no, didn't bother. At least he didn't try. Because if no. he tried, he'd have probably made such a bad job of it, yeah. and the film wouldn't be as good as it was. You can argue and say he'd been away for years. Maybe he spent time with an American and picked up his. There was accent. no America at that the point. Crusades. Yeah, but. That accent might have existed somewhere. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just trying to help him. <laughs> no, he, at least he didn't try and can make we, a can we, of it. Can we not forget Morgan Freeman in that movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, brilliant. And one of the, the painted times, man. The painted man. He walked to my dreams. <laughs> you wouldn't go and say that nowadays. It was one of the first times we really came across Morgan Freeman, wasn't it? It was one of his earlier big films that he's really known from isn't it I'm trying to think I mean I don't know Morgan Freeman's acting career on the top of my head Freedom uh, Glory he was in that that was that was 80s that was that was before mm. Prince of Thieves Glory I'm sure it was I'm sure he was in Seven as well that Seven before. that could have been early 90s though that could have been after Seven would have been after yeah Prince of Thieves Prince, 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 Prince of Thieves was 19 19- one, I want to say. 1991. We're looking at that era, definitely. I had it on VHS when it first came out. I lent it to Ben and I never got it back for 12 years. <laughs> I loved it that much. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I'd lost it and one day he just turned up with it. This is yours. I oh, did thanks. fancy Marion quite a lot. Mm. And I was really chuffed when I watched Abyss and I got to see a boob. <laughs> I was well chuffed. I was like, I've got to see Marion's boob. See, I, I, well, I like Shell. I like Marion when she was dead on the floor being resuscitated but still (laughs) (laughs) it was her I liked Marion but Marion in Men in Tights is hard for me 
Even yeah. though that chastity she's belt, in, she's hot. She's in the bath. Yeah. With, with the eggs covering the breast. Yeah. Just covering the nipples. Yeah. But it was enough to. Imagine. I think it's time to call it a day now. We're going into. Seediness. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, you, when you're a teenager, anything. <laughs> yeah. You're a trash mate. Come on, we all watched that. That was nothing. That was just. Low budget porn, let's face it. No, men in tights, yeah. men in tights. Only of us showed it in men in tights. So Brilliant. Films got me through some tough times. <laughs> <laughs> that and Ghostbusters. Blinking. Blinking. Hey, hey. Hey, blinking. Hey, what did you call it? Hey, blinking. No, I said, hey, blinking. <laughs> and a black sheriff, we all know he can work. Blazing saddles. No, it was a, it was, it was a funny film. I do enjoy that film. Yeah. Good. And on that note, I think we should end. No, so I've been Ben. Thanks for listening. Don't do the flavour aid. Don't join a cult. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. And I've been Claire. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it dribbles out your ears. And pissed on Baileys. And Pete, you're on the spot now. And I've been Pete. And I will still be Pete. It's been a pleasure to join you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's been great having you, mate. Yeah, been good. Lovely. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody out there listening. Fuck Christmas. (laughs) 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 (